This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Yield App, Cosmos Ecosystem, and Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are watching and listening Untold Stories. Wow, what a crazy episode we have for you today, where twice a week we get together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement really came to be. And not only that, as I'm understanding further, this industry is getting so complex so fast and all the pieces that are being created, I'm struggling sometimes to keep them all together for my own understanding. And so I'm more fervent about doing this show now more than ever. I'm recording five days a week because there's so much content and so much data and so many things that we need to unpack and understand. And like we know that one of the things that people have been talking about for years, and we all know with BitTorrent and Napster and everything, is data, right? Just the going back to just the, the early days when we download uh, music off the internet and how it was slow and because you knew it was being downloaded from one server. And then there were things like BitTorrent, and we understood that with BitTorrent and some of these P P2P, peer-to-peer networks in the, the, the 90s and early 2000s that a lot of us were playing around with, uh, you actually can download files that were kept in pieces uh, in millions of computers around the world. But the technology largely died there, and peer-to-peer -peer networks and decentralized data went very centralized, uh, controlled by the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Googles, and the Twitters of the world. All of our data is constantly being hacked and given away all the time, and people, there are trillion-dollar industries where they're making money off of us. And the simple fact is, I have no access to my medical records. The most important data that I would think that I want to own, how do you get it? Right? Like, I had a surgery 20 years ago. I have no way to check. Like, do I call the doctors? He's dead. Where is that data? It's probably somewhere. Someone's making money off of it, not me. I just want to know if I need to get another surgery for my eyes. So it's like, this technology is got so centralized, and when Bitcoin and Ethereum really were being uh, 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 in the in the early baby years, everyone was so excited about doing things like this in storage and Filecoin and so many others. But it's so difficult to do. And today on the show, I'm very excited to actually bring on one of my investment portfolio companies, the Siri Network. Siri is building out, um, and I and I really believe they're, they'll probably be one of the only people. Uh, only companies to do this just because of the background of my two guests today. But the Siri network is like one of the first decentralized data cloud platforms that's optimized for service data integration and collaboration. So the ability to like collect all the data using like a tokenized system, and then all that data is constantly being encrypted and kept safely and securely all over the world. But at the same time, artificial intelligence and gamification and loyalty and being uh, being able to earn money and doing all these different things with the data from a consumer level, but also from a business level. And then creating a plug-and-play system to allow consumers and governments and companies and corporations to just plug-and-play and do it. That's what the Siri Network is offering. And I'm joined today by Fred uh, Fred Jin and Kenzie Wang. Fred is the co-founder and CEO of the Siri Network. And Kenzie is also the co-founder. They both come from Silicon Valley and from the gaming world. AOL, crazy stuff. You will, are going to love this show. I am Charlie Shrem. And this show would not be possible today without my amazing producers and 
all of the folks and the writers and the booking agents and everyone who works for this show, the ten, the dozen people or so who work for Untold Stories, I love you guys. Thank you. And not, but uh, last but not least, Blockworks.co, Blockworks.co, the Blockworks Group. They are a media and production company that I trust. Without them, the show would not be here today. Enjoy Untold Stories. I want to start from the beginning and understand that, like, as the course of the internet uh, came to be and what we know the internet today is and how we understand data, you know, mm-hmm. on s- servers and, and the basic understanding of it, you know, uh, from from a, a laptop or a personal computer, your data is stored there. And then everyone, mm-hmm. you know, would understand things like the Apple cloud and there's all this lingo and understanding. And then... um we've become desensitized to the fact that our data is highly insecure. And then we read about some of these things like hacks all the time from, from retail stores to, uh, you know, like credit agencies and all our data is constantly being sold. Like probably you're my data. It's an, it's a note. Everyone knows that anyone could go right now on the dark market and buy someone else's information uh data but it's not just like your name address social security number and then furthermore then the other day i'm listening to the radio and they're saying well how much better would have coronavirus response been if there was a centralized database that housed all of your medical data from the minute you were born until now and everyone's like yeah that's a great idea and i'm saying no haven't we learned anything mm-hmm. so so why has building a decentralized data cloud traditionally been so difficult. It's always been touted as like one of the killer apps for, for Bitcoin and eventually crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many companies have tried and failed and disappeared. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about the Siri network and actually, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons I became an investor too is because of, of your backgrounds, but kind of your approach of attacking specific industries within that like snowflake ecosystem. And I know I just threw a lot at you. Um, and then, and then, you know, so feel free to, to kind of like unpack that all. And, um, and, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. Sure. Sure. Uh, Thank you for having us, Charlie. I think, uh, um, you know, we'd be fan of yours and, uh, we're, you know, I I think you asked some very, uh, acute, uh, like astute questions, um, and uh, we'd love to sort of just jumping in. Um, so a little bit of background, right? So, so I started my career uh, in Silicon Valley. Uh, my 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 first job was you know I was building a, 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 you know visualization Windows products and uh, web authoring tools for this company called Web uh, What Sorry Net Objects, which uh, went public I think in 1999. Um, so I think I have one of those sort of a careers where I was mostly focused on problem solving and, uh, for say a dozen years or so, and, you know, mostly working for, uh, early Silicon Valley startups. So I see a lot of the pattern of how that data is migrating and how the, uh, um, how the, you know, the access and the utility and, and people's relationship with it are, are changing. And then I think I spent about, um, you know, last dozen dozen years or so just building, you know, digital native and, and, uh, applications, mobile and web applications and, uh, app-based businesses. 
Um, so, so I have a, you know, a, a, another different perspective from a, from a operator, from the, mm. uh, uh, um, someone who know. needs it, not just someone who is building it. Exactly. So, so, so the, the, the key reason, I mean, and again, I think, you know, my very first, at my very first job, actually my first task was writing these like database scripts that actually checks for data consistency that actually, you know, these, these are what we think, things that we call like you know, triggers and, and uh, store procedures. These are things that store at the lowest level of the inside the database that actually looks for certain, you know, data patterns and ensure that certain things are executed before some, you know, data is removed and it's copyrighted. So I think this is definitely one area of strength. Um, so I think that the biggest hurdle as we see the, the migration pattern is um, one is at the cost of uh, both having to ramp up the team to adopt a new knowledge or move to, uh, uh, move to uh, a different way of accessing data, right? So previously, I think in the, in, in, in the first, you know, dot-com era, everybody had their own, you know, site-based oracles and, and yeah. uh, 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 you know, uh, DB2s and, uh, you know, all these old, you know, database vendors. And eventually it became more and more, consolidated towards, you know, a few different types of, you know, either what is enterprise or whether it's, you know, application startup uh, uh, purposeful databases, but you still have this issue, a lot of data silos. So you have to sort of figure out how to extract the right data from these different data sets. Um, and, and just the migration to, uh, to the cloud, right. To the, to, to, to cloud data uh, uh, service. And even that's taken, you know, more than 10 years. Right, for it to get to where it is today, um, so that whole movement started, you know, a while back. So, so the big, I think, the biggest hurdle and why it's taken so long for us to get to where we are today has really you need to have specific acute business needs that need to be solved by a different type of system that address specific, you know, use cases. Um, you know, we we all know that. Um, I, I won't go into too much, you know, uh, the details, but. Um, I think unless the, the 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 right technology, the right people help you adapt to that technology, and then the, uh, the the maturity of the the technology itself, and then the cost, everything needs to sort of align yeah. before the, the next generation can can come online, right? So that kind of like that's just like dipping into question a little bit, and um, I'm happy to uh, uh, you know work with you to to keep going down that path. And I want to uh, understand a little bit more, like which industries you see benefit the most from this. What type of examples um, you think would be like the first the lowest hanging fruit? And Kenzie, thank you for coming on the show as well. Thank you. Well, cool. yeah. So I think we're we're mostly focused on um, consumer focused businesses. Um, because one, this is area that we have good amount of experience in. And two is, uh, especially when I, when we were running our, our apps and, and games and, and, and whatnot, we realized the challenges that we're doing is the same challenges that all of, you know, all of our partner gaming companies and, and other people, uh, in our space are, are, are faced with, which is understanding, uh, how to extract, you know, from all this information that, you know, all the data we're collecting, all this information overload, how do you lock into specific uh, key behavior feedbacks, right? And how, how do you lock into the, the Yeah, key so that's, that's where the artificial intelligence comes into play, right? So traditionally, you can't do that on these like single uh, siloed 
uh, type of systems. Right. And you brought up gaming. Your background is in gaming, too. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think the gaming industry is one that spends like copious amounts of money, time and energy on just their back end infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. So 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 gaming company, it's one uh, a special niche. But I think, you know, the, the most of the things that they do are usually very specific, you know, whether it's for, you know, Epic Games or whether it's for, um, you know, a, a, like Supercell type of very casual games. You have very different uh patterns right you you have these games that are very much like console games so i think that's that's a category on its own i think what we're what we're seeing i think the, the huge opportunity ahead of us is that it doesn't matter what business you run today right you could be you know pepsi right you could you could be um you know uh, uh nike you could be you know sephora it doesn't matter what business you run you have to sort of think like a, a technology company you have to sort of like really start to figure out how do you really unlock the uh, the value of the data of all your consumers, right? So yeah, e even if you're even if you're successful, like you know, a company like say Pepsi, they don't know anything about me per se. I mean, unless they they spend the money with Google or Facebook or some of the other you know uh, platforms to try to engage me, right? They don't really own that really direct relationship. So every brand is trying to develop their own. You know, of course, cloud-focused, uh, sure. uh, you know, data cloud, and then have the ability to quickly, you know, uh, um, not just gather information securely, but also figure out how to share that information securely across their, you know, vendors and business partners, and then so so that is where the hurdle is. It's 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 the lock-in on the right data sets. That data can be kind of gamified, and intelligence can be garnered with that data. So. So, for example, oh, just yesterday I was talking to a gentleman who's on the board of a very large movie theater chain in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and, and I just asked him, I said, how are you doing? Are you mm -hmm. surviving? Um, and I just went to the movies for the first time in like a year and a half. And it was so much fun. Like it was cool to go to a movie theater and mm -hmm. sit down and watch a movie. Um, well, Florida never really closed in the first place. Yeah. But I asked him, I said, how did you how did you survive? And he said. If it wasn't for the loyalty program that he built in the year right before the coronavirus pandemic, mm -hmm. they would have failed because they would have known nothing about their customers except for what we know about moviegoers. <laughs> but because he built this loyalty program, and again, it's probably like a, like, and I, I'll, I need to introduce you to him because they'd be, you'd be a perfect uh, uh, relationship right there. Mm -hmm. One of the largest movie theater chains in the, in the country, actually. He said that, you know, it was a very arbitrary system, but just the basic idea of like collecting that data internally, like not mm -hmm. using an outside company. He was explaining this to me yesterday. And he said collecting all that information internally and then being able to like look at it in a nice way, being mm -hmm. able to graph it, be able to like manipulate the data and then come up with different scenarios and offers to like get people back in theaters based on their behavior that they collected. And I'm like, are you? Are you doing this with like an artificial intelligence company? Are you, how are you doing all this? He's like, no, we print shit out. We put it on walls. We draw mm. like this. But so then, so if, if you have the largest movie theater company in the world of manually using their data manually, mm -hmm. this industry is ripe, isn't it? Well, I, I think every industry struggles with that because for every industry, they just struggle just with their core business, right? Usually this is something that they delegate to outside experts, right? Usually they go to the big four, they go to Accenture, McKinsey, you know, Boston Consulting Group to say, hey, like just here's a bunch of money, solve my problem for me. 
Mercer, or, I found out too, is a real company mm-hmm. now, another consulting one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a good number of these, right? So, um, and and they would work with these businesses to extract, to take that image that you just portrayed. Okay, take all, all these printouts of, you know, where that data is, who is who, and how do you put these different segments of users? How do you, you know, attach, you know, certain uh, values and rewards and engagement? So that is what every brand struggles with. And then that is actually what we're building in terms of our assassin initiatives that's used to, to offer smart, pluggable, uh, plug-and-play solutions that can directly consume the data that's actually stored in our uh, decentralized data cloud. So, so without this sort of a kind of you know, hard and, and hard-nosed approach, you know, you're not going to have a, a, the, the, the utility and the maturity that, that you know, the, our decentralized data cloud will need to have for all the other developers, all the other businesses, right? So when- we just see this as a sort of a perfect companion of one. You have this new uh, decentralized uh, big data cloud storage, right? That, which we pioneered and, 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 and we're going to open that, that up to all the, uh, uh, all the folks, to all the developers, investors to participate in uh, very soon. And then we also have this sort of a specific SaaS focus that focuses on our leverage, our know-how to directly, uh, uh, not just to use the, uh, drive the, the maturity and the tool sets and, and the, um, the proven recipe for this framework, but also um, you know, provide the initial uh, utility right, to, to, the, to, to this network. So I think this, at this day and age, that's really, really needed in the blockchain space. It is. It's not only needed in the blockchain space, it's needed in, in, in every space. I mean, one of the first uh, projects that, like, even, I think, even to be honest, I think it was even before Ethereum was storage, mm-hmm. you know, and storage A or whatever, storage, however you want. And, and the, the concept of like decentralized data uh, forever and from Filecoin too, like, nothing is coming out of it. So it's like the question is, going, kind of going back to like, why is it so difficult to do? Is it a latency thing? Is it a, a incentivization? problem from the only uh most of us who uh most of us who, you know who listen to the show probably downloaded from BitTorrent at one point so the mm-hmm. understanding of how like that works where all the pieces are all over the world and it you know torrent the BitTorrent protocol would put it all together mm-hmm. is that how that works is that how decentralized data will work or is that like an like a, a barbaric and understand that my level of education on decentralized data, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's such a difficult mountain to climb to fully understand the, the breadth of it. And, and I'm trying to do that on this show for myself and the listeners too. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this is uh, this is definitely why we're here, right? So we want to answer, you know, I, I want to quickly jump into that, which is I think there, there are two ways to think about decentralization. One is kind of like what, you know, the storage or the, you know, Filecoin tried to do, which is make sure that the, the services provided by all these, you know, distributed nodes, right? You know, that makes up the, the network, right? So that is the first form, which, you know, we're doing as well. Um, the, the, the second form, which is decentralized data, what we mean by that is that data that you onboard and store it onto Siri decentralized data cloud is, you know, fully encrypted with, you know, your application, the keys that only you as a business or as an obligation have and also uh, with you know potential end consumers key so that data can be turned over to them in sort of a privacy preserving use cases but uh, uh, but but the most efe- but most importantly decentralization means that you own that data right even though we're hosting we don't know what that data is 
right? So this is very different than say handing your data over to Facebook, handing your data sure. over to 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 uh, Google, which is how do you ensure that data is not going to be used for some other purpose? How do you ensure that data can be unseen, right? So so that itself is a big big uh, um, starting point. So once you have that, then that data can be easily extracted into the open data marketplaces. That is the future of on-demand data science work, which allows, the, see, see, the biggest value that we're unlocking here is that traditionally, you have a lot of business, businesses, you know, in, until today, that they can't open their data to just anyone, right? So they have to mm-hmm. build everything to their own detriment, which is, you know, something that you, you will, and other people who have built, you know, you know, digital businesses will know this very well, which is, okay, we have to go through the planning process. We have to go through the hiring process of getting people here because we can't let these people touch our, you know, core database, right? I mean, we all know people who got yeah, fired. Yeah, trade from, secrets. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. We, we all know people who got fired because they, they infringed on security policy where in some cases they, you know, tap into the system and, and cheated the system. We, we don't hear about these things. But, but in traditional, you know, systems, it's easy to say, hey, here's, here's Charlie's ID. I'm going to update Charlie's uh, ledger. I'm going to give Charlie extra, you know, this mm. number of, uh, you know, points in the system or this number of points of, you know, uh, uh, value, right? So so that is very different, you know, uh, that's a very old way of looking at it. So the way that we're stopping decentralization is first you have to free the data from uh, PII and you have to free the data from the traditional uh, uh, burden and, 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 and hurdles of ensuring that you have proper governance of that data, right? Which is even more important because you have these automated AI processes, these data-driven processes, right? How do you trust them? DeFi, 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 you keep hearing me talk about it. And we know at the same time that the stock market is at record highs, but the economy is broken in recession. Government debt is off the charts. They're printing trillions of dollars. We need a new financial system, and I've been talking about it. We've all been talking about it, decentralized finance. We know that too. We know that there's like $40 billion in value sitting in all these DeFi protocols, and it's barely a year old. It's new decentralized finance, and it's brilliant, and it works. And there's a lot of money to be made in things like yield farming, being able to provide liquidity, but a lot of them are high risk. There's scams and rug pulls that are so common to investors. We don't want to repeat what happened a few years ago in the crypto space. But what if there was a way to access those DeFi yields in a safe and transparent way? Well, I had the CEO, Tim Frost of Yield.app, my newest sponsor on the show. Listen to that show and check out Yield.app because here you have this team that is constantly filtering through all these DeFi investments. They're consolidating your gas fees and they're only investing in a select few that generate more than 20%. But their risk is not, they're not just investing in these tokens and waiting for them to do well. They're also providing liquidity. They're doing yield farming. All these low risk, high investment to make the uh, infrastructure more efficient and better. So not only you're investing in making money, but you're also helping to grow this ecosystem. Make sure you check them out at yield.app. That's yield.app. And listen to the untold stories with Tim Frost, the CEO. We have all these coins and tokens and they sit on all these different blockchains and we have to keep multiple wallets and different addresses and everything. And the only way to do it without having to do that is trust a centralized place like an exchange or a broker or an app that you use. Well, what if there was a way to do it without having to trust one different place in the ethos of crypto? Cosmos, my sponsor Cosmos that has been around for so long 
they are actually following their original roadmap and being able to offer universal wallet, high node synchronization, inter-blockchain communication, bridging Bitcoin and Ethereum together and keeping it all on one wallet, being able to build on top of it and do the coolest things possible. Make sure you check them out at stargate.cosmos.network. You can play with all these different features. It's so cool and it's really bringing the next wave of crypto and adoption. If you really want to be ahead of everyone else and all your friends, make sure you understand the new technology that's coming out. Stargate.cosmos.network. You're going to love it. The biggest problem with DeFi today as we know it is there are simply no aggregators or way to bring all of this information and data together so we can trade off of it. We're going to Uniswap and we're clicking sell, sell, sell or buy, buy, buy. I mean, imagine staying up till two o'clock in the morning just so you can make a trade. The folks at Paraswap, my newest sponsor, are doing exactly that. They are the fastest and most liquid aggregator on the Ethereum blockchain. They've built a state-of-the-art algorithm that aggregates all the major decentralized exchanges in order to beat the market price. They are willing to offer you on your first swap a 50% gas refund. Check it out in the show notes. I mean, there's no reason not to use PowerSwap. It's the same thing as using any of these other sites, but you're getting a better price, zero slippage, better swap, safer, faster, more secure. Uh, what's what's the downside? There is none that I could think of. And you're getting your first swap, 50% gas fees paid for. It solves every problem that I could think of. Make sure you check them out. They're my sponsors. I love them. And I love them even more that they're pushing crypto forward. Yeah. Well, how does it work then? If you have the, the one key is encrypting it and all the data is all over, but it's all encrypted. How do you choose who to allow what data to be shared when? Like, how do you, all those different metrics and options and, and specifics, uh -huh. how do you do that? And then how do Very you allow, yeah. Very, very good question. So, um, so the so beauty, beauty of uh, blockchain is uh, basically that the most powerful part of blockchain is this, the, the asymmetrical uh, encryption, right? The, the whole idea is that a piece of data could be uh, encrypted with my key, with your key, and with this application key, right? Or public keys, right? Oh, and then, yeah. I see yeah, where you're going with this. But, but yeah, but you hold the private key that you don't need to share. You need to sign, provide a sort of a, a, a Temporary signature that can be uh, allowed, you know, for 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 external process to access what you designate that person should have access to, right? So basically, you could say, "I only want to share this yeah. part of our of my, my user base. I want to share share these attributes." Right? This is a perfect uh, uh, answer to what you were talking about with medical records, right? People exactly. don't need to That's know what I was everything about. about you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 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 but that is very hard to do for two reasons, right? The two things that we're solving. One is how do you address the throughput issue, right? You have uh, networks like Ethereum. While it's amazing in terms of, you know, uh, um, like securing assets, securing data, securing, you know, smart conditional money, uh, but it's overcompensating uh, for that and, and, and forsaking the sort of a throughput and, and, in, uh, um, yeah, it's a lever system. When one goes up, the other goes down. The latency, the throughput, it's it's slower when you're... Yeah, exactly. On. So every single transaction has a payment model behind it. And yeah. all the participants of the network, right, millions of computers around the network, has to all agree that say, hey, hey we, we all participate in a consensus, right? So it's extremely secure, extremely redundant, extremely anti-censorship uh, uh, and you know, resistant. But it's, it's never going to work for, for enterprises, right? 
So how we design our system is that the, the we leverage the beauty of blockchain, which is the, the data encryption, the identity uh, uh, abstraction, right? And at the same time, we have our decentralized data cloud that sort of works like a typical, you know, when you go to Amazon, you say, hey, I want to uh, uh, um, have some kind of SLA, which is, you know, this, the service level agreement that gives me, say, you know, 1,000 uh, um, transactions per second. And that gives me, you know, this much of uh, uh, transactions that I need to, you know, store, retrieve and access and encrypt and decrypt data on, the, on this cloud. So, so that is our system is designed for. And then that's why we've just been building, building for the last two years since we, we were, came out of the Binance incubation 2019. And even just now, we start to really talk about, okay, this is what, what we're doing, right? And, and this is how we're helping solving problems. Um, what type of, of, of marketplace do you kind of see uh, data um, being shared in? And, oh and yeah. Can, okay. Yeah. So, 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 so this is something that we're just so excited about. Like, you know, I, I can't wait to talk about it because we haven't really mentioned it. We haven't publicized it. This is something that we're just waiting for the, you know, the, the couple of still the tool sets are, are being completed to talk about. So the perfect yeah. utility and the, and the perfect case that everyone will understand is that for any NFT fans out there, they would, they would love this solution, right? Because right now, What's missing from most of the NFTs is that, you know, when you create an NFT, whether it's like, say, ERC-721 or ERC-155, you know, token, you, you, you basically have this uh, um, way of transferring to someone else's, you know, public address, right? You know, and then also yeah. uh, you have this meta tag that points to, okay, where was this, you know, asset originally uh, uh, created, right? So that's kind of a way of, like, you know, provenance and... But, but that's it. it. It doesn't really give you token holder any uh, special uh, uh, rights or special things, right? So uh, imagine you have a case where um, the asset delivery, which is basically what Siri DDC, is, secure asset de delivery, is, which is what you know, Siri DDC is designed for. So when you're issue, when you purchase this NFT, at the same time, your public key is, is added to the Siri DDC to a piece of secure data that allows you to see the full visuals of the digital art, or allows you to, to, to access you know, the, the full music uh, video performance or, or the live. You know, oh, uh, so it's like all the data is actually within the NFT itself. It's not just like a representation of the exactly, data. Exactly, exactly. Wow. That, that is what the world is. so cool. And that, is, that is exactly what secure this, multi-party shared uh, uh, secure data access. This NFT know. of me sold for $13,000 last night. Oh, wow. I know. I, it's cool, though. I, I, yeah, it's, it's an unfathomable, right? So and then I was at this guy's restaurant last night and he said, mm -hmm. Charlie, thanks to you, Boatcoin. Isn't that wow. crazy? I don't know if he's actually going to, I think it's Photoshopped. Sure, sure. But, but, but again, I think, you know, it, this is very novel and this is very fun for now, but I think very soon people will want to have the next level of experience, right? What most people don't understand is that, you know, what I just described is the secret or is the key missing piece to solve all of the content creators' issues, right? Yeah. So, so, so we we will be uh, launching a couple of experiential uh, platforms. One is mostly focused on performance art, and the other one's mostly focused on visual art. So imagine, so, so artists, what they do is struggle today. They can't monetize really their their music videos, right? Like let I mean, let alone no, music so videos. They, 
because they'll have at the end of the day, like they can do a token that like they sell thirty percent of ownership as as NFTs, and then like you know you could no, even no, no, have no, a no, legal there, mechanism. There's actually a much better use case. You as artists, the, the each NFT will be could be representing that unique relationship that you have with each individual fan, right? So you that's could be what Bitcloud was trying to do, but that's a scam, I think. I'm sorry. There was a comp like Bitcloud, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it's a scam. Tried to do sure, like creator sure, coins sure, type sure. of thing. So so. Each one of these tokens will then become the gatekeeper to certain. I say you want to launch a special fan appreciation uh, uh, concert, right? I, I I remember I think right before uh, Prince died, he was he had this like special like you know like insider only concert in Oakland where only like a couple hundred people had this like amazing sort of a up close personal sure. you know uh, 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 audience with them in, in special performance. So. You as an artist now can can launch these fan tokens and you can say only people who purchased my first, you know, this series, you know, of, of uh, uh, NFTs or people who are the first 200 fans of mine or people who are, you know, based in, say, Brazil or people who, you know, bought these special series of tokens. Now, they will be able to connect a wallet that holds those tokens, go to a specially designated, uh, um, you know, live virtual performance uh, uh, website that works with the series DDC and then you know, ver ver verify those fans, and then only those fans will be able to see whether it's a virtual exhibit or whether it's a virtual concert. This will change the content um, game as we know it. And on right? top of that, the Siri network is also like amalgamating and taking all of this data and like collecting. So, uh, so the tokens are like the the feelers and the collecting points in a way. And yeah, then yeah, all the, the data is yeah, not, yeah, the, and the you tokens, can work. That's so are, crazy. Yeah, tokens are basically the keys, right? So yeah, you, yeah. And, and it also identifies, you know, who you are like, as part of that relationship, right? And also the smart contract that issues and transfer the token later on also can guarantee the artist like, royalties, Shit, man. right? Every time You're talking that, about that a crazy team. world that all human beings could be represented as NFTs and someone, and it's, it's a scary world if you think about it. Like maybe right, we right. are living in the matrix. Um, I want right, to take right. this. Let's step back for a second because I started mm -hmm. to scare myself a little. Um, in in this industry, and this is actually a question for Kenzie. In this industry, um, you're you're very much in the in the weeds a lot. You're building out uh, very very highly technical concepts and and um, constantly, but maybe you don't all the time get to see like the enjoyment of someone enjoying what you're building. You don't get that like satisfaction to someone like working in a clothing store or a restaurant or even you know someone who builds iPhones, you know, can see, go on TV and see people using iPhones. Like, oh, I built that. It's exciting. How do you both, and Kenzie, you've been a VC for a very, very long time. You were involved in Huobi, the general manager there. How do you prevent burnout, especially in crypto? Like, how do you prevent yourselves from getting burnout, especially in the COVID world? How do you take a step back and remain focused? Because you're like, kind of like going through the forest and you're you're trailblazing, but you can't really see the forest through the trees all the time, right? Yeah, honestly, um, I think a lot of us uh, just love it. You know, I love the uh, um, the excitement. It's uh, it, it feels very much so. Um, you know, we're we're living in you know in in this uh, incredible time at you know uh, with with very exclusive information flow. And, and obviously, you know, we all had memories from the bear market. Um, so it feels like this might also be short lived. So 
yeah there's a fear well, just power through <laughs> so uh you know um it's 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 a lot of it is a fueled by passion and also uh um you know the ex- excitement about what we are working on you know so um we, we've been working on this for uh, for two and a half years we weathered through a uh, a bear a bear cycle and the team is uh um incredibly focused and very humble people that we work with um so um in that sense we're all you know in this together and that's also um you know a, a relief in a way that uh helps with uh, uh burnout um so so yeah so that's 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 how i feel um i think that's right i think that's how i've been prevented from burning out over the last 10 years as i'm like sleeping in my microphone right now <laughs> well i think it's definitely a lot easier now because everyone's you know interest is perked up right i mean i just remember yeah like a couple of years ago i was walking on the street i was looking at like you know i was feeling like the guy in, in matrix right and it's like you know i can see this pathway to 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 full digitalization you know of, of all these relationships of, you know money of, uh all these like smart way of, of intertwining those and and no one 99.99 percent like i can't even explain to them right like what what we're seeing, but now people are interested. I I think that itself is the most exciting part. The questions exactly. are very different now. Yeah, you know, at uh, um, I rarely go out now because of COVID, and I went to a grocery store yesterday, and on the radio they're talking about NFTs, and uh, um, yeah, you know, I was like, whoa, you know, mainstream. So this is yeah, you know, it's it's you know the the the. The uh, the how cutting edge what we're working on, um, and and how um, you know how the world is seen it now. It just feels uh, feels like we're 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 in it at the right time. And, yeah, uh, and the, with the right people, and that in a way is uh, is is very empowering, and that's also what uh, gets us to to uh, to you know power through things uh, and sleeping three four hours a day. You know. Um, and and uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's an incredible time for for people in crypto. In the past, all these all these bull and bear markets, yeah, you're right. Like there's a fear. But if you remember, all the bull and bear markets were always like uh, stopped because of either like there's some sort of bunch a bunch of frauds or exit scams or uh, um, you know news and fud. But really. What always would stop these 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 bull markets simply and and really like not just the term bull market but just the growth of the overall like like industry or market cap or whatever, what what stopped that is that you'd have all this attention from people and I'm talking about like 2013 even 2011, you'd have all this massive attention, and then we'd have nothing to to offer. We never we, how many exactly. people want to just like store Bitcoin on their phone like yeah, it's great but like you can't do shit with it. You know, so then Ethereum was conceptualized and talked about. And that was great. And that caused such a massive price, you know, massive price increase because this technology actually enabled anyone to do anything. But at the end of the day, a lot of it ended up being not vaporware because that's a strong word, but you couldn't, you couldn't, like things were conceptualized and talked about a lot of like, what if, like, let's build this. We're going to go out and use Ethereum technology to build this and this and this. There's Ethereum tokens. Everything was, we're going to build on Ethereum. 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 It's constant, right? But we couldn't, we couldn't do it. You, just, you can't build sometimes decentralized 
data on top of Ethereum version one, you know, what it looked like years, you know, years ago, you just, it wasn't there, right? So now here we are again, people are looking at us. And just like yesterday, I'm, I live on a small island in the middle of nowhere with like 500 houses. And I'll just walk into my neighborhood and my neighbor was like, come and talk to me about Bitcoin for a second. So we go and talk for an hour and the conversation is so different. And I said, hey, Ed, what did you do before you retired? And he said, well, I actually built futures markets. Like that was my thing. I love building futures markets. I said, now I see why this bull market is going to continue because now if he wants to come in with his 20, $30 million company and build something or put assets into crypto, he can actually have something that he can build. And there's multiple different blockchains and technologies and protocols that they can build on top of. That's, you know, you, you're, you're absolutely right, Charlie. I think, you know, the, the last time it was very different, you know, due to um, the, um, uh, you know, the both just technology wasn't there yet. It takes time to build tech. And also secondly, is that the public always, you know, overestimate, you know, and get overexcited about, you know, a technology too early. Um, so there's a mismatch there. But this time around, things are a little bit different, you know, in, uh, in, in, in DeFi, there's actual, you know, money flow, there's actual returns for investors. In uh, uh, NFT, there's actual usage and mainstream, uh, you know, uh, recognition of NFT, you know, values now. And in, in terms of, you know, us, enterprise uh, adoption, you know, we uh, have been really, really focused around that, you know, since, you know, the beginning of the inception of the company, we've always been super adoption focused. and and that's why you know we pride ourselves to be you know probably the 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 most adoption uh, based company in the uh, entire uh, Binance you know labs portfolio so we've been really focused on that and been working with you know uh, clients and also now working with a lot of uh, you know fortune um, fortune 1000 you know companies as well in terms of getting that adoption and we also touch upon both defi and nft so um, you know, you know, really just the kind of realizing this uh, this adoption trend in uh, in blockchain, and that's kind of our ethos here, uh, and that that makes a big difference. Do you do you both foresee a world where how now we're used to the world is kind of used to using Venmo now, you know, like just or or various apps for for money payment. So the world is slowly getting used to that's just one example, but of of doing things on their phone. Right. Do you see a world where like you'd walk into a hospital or you'd walk into a new doctor, like you go to a dermatologist that you've never seen before. And now on your phone, you could potentially share that data, but then also have control of like what data for how long and when. Is that the type of like data emancipation that Siri Network will like bring to us? Yeah, this is basically what we uh, can already support, right? If we have the right partner, we have the right um, you know, support, you know, internally, externally, you know, for that, that's something we can build, start building tomorrow. So, so that is exactly where the world needs to go, where, um, you know, we have to be able to control and start harnessing like all this, you know, uh, a, a sort of, uh, a careless way of, of, you know, not treating data as, as, uh, a, a strong obligation and duty, right. To, yeah. to take care for your, for, for, for your customers. I see what you're getting at. You're saying that like, no, it's not that we're like, we're trying to convince you to give us your data. It's rather, this is already happening now with mm -hmm. your data and your life. 
to all of us. Mm-hmm. We want to just go to a new paradigm where this is how it's happening. So you're not needing to like convince people really like to start putting their data in another place. It's rather right. we want to change the way that we understand our own data ownership because I know now we're going to get to like a little bit scary, but we're going towards a like very different world. I mean, and people are playing around with installing chips in their hands mm-hmm. and becoming cyborgs and with technology as we know it in the future to be able to have parts that are 3D printed. We're going to have digital pieces in our brains. Mm-hmm. So if we don't start emancipating that data now, if we don't start freeing that data now, it's just going to be a situation where we are controlled. And now oh, it's crazy by like the governments. And, yes, it's, it's, like well, conspiracy there, theory. There, there, well, well, there's so many angles we have to look at it, right? Basically, this is like, this is where the world's headed, right? This is like trillion dollars. It's a huge white space. Everything's moving in the cloud. Everything has challenges in both in terms of data onboarding, data segmentation, security governance, who has access to that whole thing. So, there's no one who's built something that we, you know, set out to to build, which is a, sort of a decentralized, you know, uh, big data that focus on individual user customization, uh, uh, segmentation, and, and customization, and, and and so allows for a very granular and customized way of sharing, you know, uh, uh, you know, user data, right? And also, just that is not that's just just that is not enough. You have to be able to solve certain use cases. In, in, and provide the, the, the toolkits to say, hey, here's a kind of a plug and play solution that can solve you, help you to solve this one problem. Like, you know, the, the problem you mentioned with the movie uh, uh, movie chain, right? Which is, okay, how do we modernize our, our, our engagement strategy with, with all the consumers, right? So, so, okay, we can launch this new sort of a rewards program that's powered by, you know, CBDC that has these, you know, automation around it where, you know, our AI agents can actually Look at okay, this person hasn't come back to see a theater for this amount of time, or this person that watched this film, this film, this film, and he's most likely anticipating this blockbuster. If we do something, engage him now, get to him before this person goes to yes. another movie theater chain. That's how you win. That's I how every perfect, single business needs to do to win. In the I future. have the perfect relationship for you because this gentleman is not just on the board of this movie theater chain, but he's also the CEO of the fourth largest film studio in the world. And I met him because mm-hmm. so my wife's an actress and she's about to shoot a movie in upstate New York in, uh, in May. And the, um, he likes crypto, the CEO. So he saw my wife's name and he tried to get in touch with me. And we were chatting yesterday and he's like, uh, he's like, I want to go balls deep into crypto. So I got to like introduce you to him and, and the, oh my God, they would, this would be a perfect type of relationship, I think, because oh, yeah, they already yeah, have, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, with what we're doing on NFTs, with what we're doing with all the potential fan relationships, right? And and all of the different... Uh, but you uh, can track every... You can track from before the movie's made, the fan who wants to see it, to mm-hmm. when the movie's in production, to then when it goes into the theater. This token tracks everything along the way. It's... Something yeah, like you, this has never been you, done before. It's impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it's really amazing. I think how it changes the whole content creation process, content distribution process, content like, you know, royalty and, and value chain process and, and how every token holder now, you know, before you buy a piece of art, you know, you're hanging out and say, hey, anyone come to my house, I can show it off, right? Yeah. But, but, but now every person is, it's a megaphone. They can say, hey, look, 
check this out. I just own this and I can show this in its full glory. Right? No one else has. Yes. I can do a live, I can do a TikTok. I can do a, uh, uh, you know, a Facebook live, live cast. You know, I can do all these cool things around it. Right. So this is what's, uh, that the power of like having every, uh, um, everyone down the value chain of NFT, well, everyone who's, who has that relationship with you as an artist to become a true fan. Freeing that data before it's too late. Fred, Kenzie, thank you so much for taking the time on coming on Untold Stories today. Uh, I think we definitely completed our task that we set out to do at the beginning of the episode, and I appreciate you giving me the ability to do that. Thank you again. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Look forward to uh, to chatting more.